So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media? Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons. I am one of your hosts, Bob Mackey, a lucky boy who is here with me today as always. <laughs> it's Henry Gilbert and no, I am not a box! A box! Henry's not a box, I can confirm it. He's, he's sitting right in front of me. It's all flesh and bones. But this week, uh, you're going to hear uh, two interviews. The first one you're going to hear right next on this podcast and we're talking to Susie Dieter because we're taking the week off from Talking Simpsons to present you with two interviews from a director that we love and a writer that we love. You know, it's, it's Labor Day week when this uh, is posting... And also, I just turned 40 as well, just to uh, earmark this more. But uh, but yeah, we've, we've long wanted to chat with uh, with both of these people this week, but especially Susie Dieter. Uh, she's one of the best directors The Simpsons ever had. She, I think, you know, deserves uh, just as much praise as any of, the, uh, any of the other greats from the golden era of Simpsons. And it was so great talking with her about, you know, she joined in season two and working her way up. And, and what a, you know, we know all of these people who come from a, usually, the same school mm-hmm. and up into animation so to hear her different story about getting into animation like so quickly picking it up just through your just talent and tenacity was was so great and every episode she directed of the simpsons is a stone cold classic and she's yep. done many more things in her career we focus on the things that you love the most we we drift around a bit I and mean, yeah. she's a great interview by the way you're really gonna like us talking to Susie. yeah we talk about her time on on the simpsons from season two to season uh well i guess aired in nine and uh, as well as uh, her work in the first four seasons of Futurama and even her work on Beavis and Butthead do the universe. We learned some really cool stuff and and you know Susie was was very giving with with her story and her experiences and we really really appreciate it. Absolutely. That. Yes. Yeah. I think yeah. she will surprise you with some of the answers she gives and yeah. uh, it was a very entertaining interview and we thank her for her honesty. Yes, yeah, we thank her so so much for that. So, uh, I guess without further ado, let's hear from Susie Dieter. Joining us right now is Susie Dieter. Welcome to the show, Susie. Uh, glad to be here. We don't talk to artists as much as we talk to writers, so it's always a treat to mm-hmm. talk to a distinguished director like yourself. Oh, man, so much. Great work. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, I guess our, our first question is, like, how did you get started in the in the world of animation? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting story. Um, I was an art major at UCLA doing, you know, fine art. And the last quarter of my last year there, I took an elective in animation that was literally called Animation 101. And I thought I just did it because I thought it might be fun. But, you know, I never thought about like drawing cartoons for a living. I wanted to do illustrations and stuff like that. And like definitely work in entertainment. But, you know, I didn't think Bugs Bunny was really my kind of thing. (laughs) So anyways, I took the class and what I realized was that you could animate anything. You could animate a life drawing. You can animate literally just like anything. And like the, my brain just exploded. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Then I was like, okay, I want to work on music videos. You know, I started interviewing with a lot of places. The first place I interviewed at was Klasky uh, Chupo. And they had just finished doing like that Shadrach video for Beastie Boys. And they had all the art up on the wall and, you know, they had like the Simpsons stuff there and I loved the Simpsons and I was like, this is where I need to be. <laughs> so three months and I just, I was so eager and like three months later they called me and they're like, hey, do you want to come in and work on a, like a music video or, or a, yeah, it was a Luther Vandross video here and now. Wow. And, okay. um, yeah, and that's how I got started. And, you know, they paid me nothing, but <laughs> that was okay because I was just so excited to learn. It was great, but I was going broke. <laughs> and um, I, I had promised I had vowed to never move back in with my parents. So I was going to like I was going to like take a job answering phones or something like that. When someone who I'd made friends with at the studio said, hey, you know, I saw your work. 
it's pretty cool. You know, would you like to try out for The Simpsons? And I'm like, what do you mean, cartoons? <laughs> and, and <laughs> you know, um, I'm an artist. Um, <laughs> so anyhow, then I said, how much does it pay? And we, when he told me how much it paid, I'm like, you mean I can make my rent in a week? <laughs> I said, I better learn how to do this stuff. Yeah. I took the test and I, you know, I didn't, I just knew nothing about layout. It was for character layout. And, and so I didn't do very well. And I was like, my ego was all bruised. And I was like, oh. D, I can do better than a D. So <laughs> what I did, which you can't do anymore, but back then things were a lot more, you know, kind of loosey-goosey. And, you know, I had made friends with people at the studio by this time. So I went in and like I sat in, I think it was Wes Archer's office because he wasn't there <laughs> and his AD Carlos was. And so I sat there and took the test at the studio, you know, kind of like, hey, look at me, I'm here. You know, it's almost like I already have a job here. <laughs> and, you know, the whole point was for them to get to know me and also do better on the test. And yes, Carlos gave me lots of help, um, <laughs> which they wouldn't allow today. But yeah, we're out well almost i i turned in my test and unfortunately they had just filled the last position mm. and i was i was crushed <laughs> <laughs> and i went home to my parents and i cried and next thing you know like the next day or so the simpsons called me at my parents house i guess my roommate had given him the number but apparently someone on the crew had decided not to come back so they 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 offered me the job wow. and i couldn't be more happy i was just i was so excited you know wow. so that is how i got hired on the simpsons and you know like staying on the simpsons was another story because i had no idea what i was doing <laughs> but i was i seriously i learned everything on the job and i guess i was pretty good at it because like within three years i was directing so That's pretty good um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It turned out like me and animation were kind of made for each other. It it kind of had all the, you know, like once I learned about like acting and how closely it was, you know, how, how much my life drawing experience had into it and that I had taken ballet for eight years as a kid and it all just kind of, and then I really loved like math and science and physics and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. So it all just, you know, it worked out really well. And once I learned that like uh, that I especially loved the acting I mean it was like I was on a roll mm. so that how it started and then you know after a year layout I was bored and so I wanted <laughs> to be an assistant director so I could learn more and I did that for a couple of years with Mark Kirkland and he he taught me everything I mean he about you know being an episodic director on a show like The Simpsons he taught me how it was done so you know he was my teacher and and then you know after two years of that I was like you know and I'm ready to start directing. So, wow, you know, man. and they were, they were like a little hesitant, you know, cause there <laughs> weren't any female directors on the show. There weren't any female directors anywhere except for like Yvette Kaplan. And she directed the Beavis and Butthead movie, but yeah. So and I didn't like know about her at the time, but I basically said either make me a director or I'm going to go somewhere else because people are offering me that job. Hmm. Wow. So yeah, yeah I, I muscled into it. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, we have some, so many questions out yeah. of that, but yeah. Well, based on your credits, it seems like you started with the first Trios of Horror. Uh, is that correct? Because that sounds like while you were working on that, the show was in this about six months period where it was the biggest thing on the planet. Yes, I did work on that. And um, that was the show I cut my teeth on. Wow. And so I one act was Wes Archer. Another act was Rich Moore. And then I think the third act was David Silverman. Mm -hmm. So I got to work for the three old men straight <laughs> off the bat. Wow. You know? And that was interesting. Yeah. And basically, you know what I would do? I would go around with, at lunchtime when everyone was gone and I'd go look at other people's layouts that were good. <laughs> so I could go, okay, what, what do my need to start looking like? But, you know, I always did that in life drawing class too. I'd go around and look at other people's drawings. I was going to say, can you recall the first scene you worked on in the show? Does that stick in your memory? The first thing you laid out for The Simpsons? I do remember, like if I saw the show again, I could remember what I did, but you know, I was brand new. So it's not like they were giving me the really cool scenes. Mm. <laughs> um, but I think I, I, I mean, I was just green and, um, 
everything I did in the beginning was just really horrible. They weren't giving me the tough stuff. I'll guarantee that. Oh, I know what I did that I was proud of. I did the house imploding, like the poltergeist house. Oh, wow. That's a great scene. Yeah, that's a great yeah. shot. <laughs> I was so intimidated. I was like, was, Wes Archer was the director. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, just start drawing. And like, he was all annoyed with me. And I was like, <laughs> I was like okay. And so uh, I just did, I started drawing and then I did a pencil test and he was like, great. And I was like, no way. I couldn't have nailed it on the first try. But yeah, I was, I was proud of that scene because oh, I, I, it, I was so scared of it. Oh, you're too modest. That you scene, know, I, we, we just watched that episode in in the last year for the podcast, and that scene is amazing. We we wouldn't have thought it was somebody's first first thing on The Simpsons. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was. <laughs> but, you know, he, he kind of, I mean, he kind of gave me the right direction, which is, you know, just, just go for it. Just start drawing it. Mm. And, and so I did. He didn't say, oh, it has to be like this or it has to be like that. He just said, just start drawing it. So I said, okay, I'll just start drawing it. It will probably be a mess but I'll just start drawing it. So that's what I did. It worked out. So you mentioned uh, Carlos. Is that, is that Carlos Baeza? Because uh, we, yeah. he, he is kind of a mystery man to us. Cause it seems like he, you know, he was never on any of the commentaries and it seems like he left at least the U S animation industry, uh, uh, you know, a while ago. So did, what, what was he like? Uh, he was really nice. He helped me out a lot. Mm. Yeah. He was, you know, he was kind of one of my first friends there. You know, I had like on The Simpsons. So, yeah, he was like the first person to take me to Thai food. I've never had Thai food before. <laughs> um, I remember that about him. But yeah, he, as much as I can recall, I think he went up to like he was on the east coast and then he was in canada for a while so yeah he's he is kind of a mystery though you're right <laughs> so you know um i don't know i i really don't know what he's doing now or where he's at but he is a kind of mysterious guy and he did kind of go off to other places and other things but um you know i haven't like really kept track of him like once he left the simpsons i didn't really talk to him again so mm-hmm. I am good friends with his brother, however. Yeah, um, Orlando, he's one of my really good friends. Oh, that's cool. And um, But we don't, it's not like he comments on Carlos a lot with, with me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, you know, it's like, I know he's like, was back in New York for a while, but yeah, he's a mystery. <laughs> we always wondered. <laughs> yeah. Wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a vest. <laughs> so uh, it seems like by early season three, you got your first AD role on Humber Defined. What was it like working under Mark Kirkland? We actually spoke with Mark in an interview. Uh, he's very interesting, and his mm-hmm. career goes back uh, even further than The Simpsons uh, mm-hmm. to Hanna-Barbera stuff in that era. And um, yeah. are there any particular moments uh, you love working on in your role as AD? We just covered Burns for a Coffin to Kraftwerk, the one where Burns sells the power plant to the Germans. And since we were about to interview, I noticed, like, oh, Susie's the AD on this one because it's a Mark Kirkland episode and it's a really good looking episode. What an amazing too. episode. Look, yeah. Which one was it? What was it called? Oh, it's the uh, it's the one with a very complex German name, but it's where Burns sells the power plant to the Germans and Homer gets fired. Oh, God. <laughs> that must have been a long time ago. I don't remember that one. Sure, I was the AD on it. That, that's what it says. It says in the credits. Yeah, yeah. but it is a Mark Kirkland episode. Okay. But um, do you recall uh, working under Mark, the, your experience with him and uh, your favorite was moments? Was the one like, that had like an Oktoberfest or something Yes, in it? yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. on the commentary, Kirkland mentions that you posed out the finger work on the on the music uh, pieces for it, the, the tromba, the tuba and all that. Oh, okay. Then I guess I did. <laughs> <laughs> I have to apologize. It's like I have mom brain. And like when you have a kid, it's like all that other stuff gets pushed way back in the in the memory files because, you know, your first priority is like, you know, your kid, your kid. Mm-hmm. So um, it may take me a little while to remember some stuff. But I remember the the Oktoberfest episode, kind what? of. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, Kirkland trained you in uh, episodic TV. Like, was it like kind of a segmented thing? Like he'd give you some segments and, and do that? Or would it be more like, okay, this week you're on like timing or, or, or some other department like that? Well, it was like I said, I learned on the job. So, you know, he taught me everything about composition and um, he was very patient much more so than than some of the other directors um (laughs) (laughs) he didn't yell (laughs) Mm. but he was you know he and i got along well and 
he trusted me and it got to the point where I was like doing most of the revisions on the show, you know, like if stuff needed fixing and he guided me, but he didn't like, you know, control me, if you know what I mean. He, mm-hmm. he let me be myself and he was open to new ideas. And, you know, I had told him while I was doing layout, I go, I want to be an assistant director. Can you teach me how to time? So he taught me how to time and, mm-hmm. and I timed some scenes and, you know, we went over it together and then I saw them come back in color. And I was very excited because what I wrote on the page actually is what happened. And <laughs> I was kind of like, whoa, that's cool. And he taught me how to do acting in the sheets. And then, you know, it was like learning. It's like learning a language, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, and then, you know, people can teach you so much and then you just kind of got to take the bull by the horns and start going for it. But yeah, he taught me how to time and I really liked it too. I thought it was, I thought it was a really cool kind of thing and the whole language of writing X sheets and stuff like that. You know, that's what I did. And then I, I wasn't shy about what I wanted. You know, I went in there and told the producer, I guess I think it was Sherry Gunther. I said, I want to be an A D mm. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and and told pretty much anyone who would listen, I want to be an A D. So <laughs> You know, because I figured they couldn't give you something if they didn't know you wanted it, mm-hmm. you know. So then I became an AD and I was Mark's AD. And so I continued to learn with him. What was great is that he, as I grew and as I got better, you know, he gave me more and more, you know, responsibility until, you know, the last year it was like, okay, I'll answer questions on this part of the show and you answer questions on this part of the show. So we divided the work up all, you know, under his supervision, of course. But, you know, I would also start like okay like the grinch sequence oh um, when the then, in the union episode right the where yeah. burns does the grinch yeah. thing yeah 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 i like i said i have to do it and he's like well <laughs> if you do that you won't be able to pay as much attention to other things i said no i will i promise <laughs> i go but i have to do the grinch <laughs> I had heard yeah, Phil he, Roman he, really liked that, the uh, the, the oh, Grinch so much. Yeah, yeah. He never told me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it's on the record. Yeah, I, it's nice to know. Um, I just didn't, you know, Phil was way up there in the offices and stuff. It's not like he came around all that much. Yeah, I just, these, there's certain things from my childhood that I just adored. And like, I think in Last Exit to Springfield, I loved that episode. That was the favorite episode I worked on with oh. Mark. Uh, He'd probably say his favorite episode was the Beatles episode, <laughs> but uh, I liked the last exit to Springfield and, and doing that get smart stuff. And yeah, I love that show. Oh yeah, I that's... think it's last. I I'm trying to remember that wasn't the same one as the as the Grinch one, right? No, it is. It is. That's there's the there's a Grinch sequence yeah. in that one. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> then yeah, it was you know Lisa needs braces and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. yeah, it was good. I I liked that episode quite a bit. <laughs> well, we mentioned uh, Phil Roman. Uh, we're always curious from the animation side. What was the transition like from Klasky Chupo to Film Roman between production seasons three and four? Oh yeah, that was a big difference. <laughs> Well, uh, Gabor Chupo throws really good parties. Uh, <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah. Really good parties, and he's really generous, and he, you know, is very much, you know, a kind of crazy artist himself. And Film Roman was, you know, literally the building was an old bank building. And I remember, God, I don't know if I should say this, but, you know, they were used to doing stuff like, I think Garfield and um, I think that was maybe their big show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the thing about The Simpsons is, you know, Matt Groening didn't want it animated like other animated stuff. He didn't want any squash and stretch. He wanted the acting to be natural. You know, he he wasn't into, you know, bugging out eyes and flapping tongues and animals with human anatomy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, he it was The Simpsons. That's why it was such a breakout show. And the people at Film Roman just, you know, they weren't used to that. Like, and they thought we were kind of like, oh, a little spoiled and a little full of ourselves. But I mean, you know, we were like walking around in our jackets in Hollywood when we lived at Klasky and going to all the restaurants there and people asking us to do them drawings and sign autographs. And, you know, we knew we were part of something big, but Film Roman kind of like didn't hmm. I don't know it was really weird and they wanted to do things a different way and we were like no 
I mean, but they did give us better working conditions. Like everyone had their own cubicle versus like 10 people thrown in a room. Um, (laughs) You know, they had better, you know, the directors all had offices. They had them at Klasky Tupo too, but these were like nicer windows, nicer offices. They all, they were all had windows. You know, it was a nicer place to work in that sense, but um, it wasn't as cool. Mm. Okay. We weren't working with cool kids anymore <laughs> and it was also tough because phil wanted you know certain people of his to work on the simpsons but most of them just they didn't get it they you know they weren't drawing simpsons they were drawing garfield and that was tough so yeah and i remember like the first christmas party they threw it was you know it, we were like what we're used to like the, the palace with like shrimp and lobster and like band and you know like mm. and they just like had it in, in some like auditorium somewhere and we were just kind of like oh god <laughs> you know maybe we were spoiled but we were young you know mm. and we were working on you know an incredibly successful show and they wanted people who weren't necessarily experienced because they didn't want to make have to have them unlearned like the traditional kind of Disney or Warner Brothers style animation, you know, and that was like someone like me, I could draw, but you know, they weren't working against a traditional animation background. Mm. So I was much more accepting of how they wanted to do things. So it was a little, you know, bumpy. I, I remember like there were film rooms taking a long time to call me, right? Mm. I'm kind of like, you know, like when are, you, when are we going to have that talk? You know, like what, what's the deal? And so I... I called Mike Wolf and I said, hey, let's have a meeting. And so we get in there and he goes, well, what exactly does an assistant director do? Oh, Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So he wasn't even quite sure that, you know, we were necessary. (laughs) So I started talking real quick just to tell him how necessary we were. And so that's that's how that went, (laughs) you know, but eventually things worked out but it was i will just say it wasn't as artist friendly as it was at Klasky chupo mm. you know more guys in suits and executives and you know it was just like people who had been in the business for a really long time and were kind of like well you know they they wanted us to do things their way and we were kind of like no <laughs> we're the simpsons yeah. things our way yeah, you know, and so yeah, you know, it was it was kind of like that. <laughs> I was looking uh, on on IMDb. Your first uh, director credit is on on Critic with Marathon Mensch. Was 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 that your first job directing? Um, no, I think my first job was the I didn't do it episode. Oh, the Bart gets famous. Okay, okay. It was either Bart gets famous or Bart's girlfriend, but I think it was Bart gets famous. That was definitely your first Simpsons in production order. I just wasn't sure where it and the critic lined up, which which was first. So, okay. Okay. Thank you. I did Bart Gets Famous, and then I did go up and do, uh, when I mean up, I mean upstairs to okay. the fourth floor where the critic production was. Um, yeah. And I did an episode of the critic. Well, yeah. So so that's what I was curious about, too, because you, you uh, I, I'd love to hear about, you know, being the, the first woman to direct on The Simpsons. Uh, also, because, you know, on the critic, uh, we've also interviewed Lauren McMullen. Mullen, who directed in that season two and you know it was yes she did it was so impressive to us that on the critic you know two women direct in the first season when it took simpsons until season five to to finally have you as the, as the first woman directing it yeah they were it was uh it was interesting I'm, i mean i'm gonna try and be honest without being like angry or anything because i'm not mm-hmm. but you know i had my me too moments for sure Mm. Uh, and uh, it was, you know, I was, you know, got the usual, oh, it's just a misunderstanding, you know, but someone did uh, continually, you know, harass me for about a year until I finally said something, and then, you know, they just kind of wanted to brush it under the rug. Mm. Um, So it, you know, but so was every other place. It's not like they were any different. I would say there were uh, more than a few artists that didn't want to work with me. And literally went in and said, I don't want to work for a woman. Jeez. Mm, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. So there was, well, you know, I, and I, it was weird. Like I didn't even, I mean, I thought it was lame, but there were so many other people that, 
you know, loved the fact that I was directing on the show and loved my work and all that. So it wasn't like it was all one way, you know. I, you know, I would say that, you know, there were some people who, I, I don't want to, you know, right. name yeah, names yeah, yeah, yeah. or write, you know, take down names. <laughs> but um, there were some people who just weren't comfortable talking to me. And so they would come in and talk to my AD when I wasn't there mm. and, and communicate that way. There were, yeah, there were people who, you know, there was, um, they would be, you know, passive aggressive, like they do some really racy drawings, like, you know, very well drawn, but very explicit drawings. And they'd plaster them up by their desk. So when I came over there, you know, it, the the message was clear, you know, that mm. it was meant to make me feel uncomfortable. Mm. But I just ignored it. it. It was there. It was there, you know, and there were some people who, you know, hated my guts. And, you know, I didn't do anything to them. And there were other people that, you know, there were some women came in and they just said, wow, you know, like, it's so cool that, you know, you're a woman and you're directing and you're an inspiration. And then there were other women who, you know, really disliked the fact that I was, you know, I don't know what you call it, like Queen Bee syndrome or something. But, um, you know, I was young. I was mm -hmm. like 26 or 27 years old. So I was, you know, younger than some of the people that I was giving instruction to. And I was also, you know, very clear about what I wanted. Um, but people, some people got this idea that I was really picky. And I'm like, no, I just, I know what I want. And mm. I think maybe that was what was scary was that, you know, if they didn't do exactly what I wanted, that, you know, it would be a fail or something. So I don't know. I'm not them. I'm me. And, you know, but there was quite a bit. But I also made like Orlando Baeza was, you know, Carlos's brother. He was my assistant director. And, you know, we had the best time. And, you know, we had our group of friends. I mean, they're kind of Orlando's friends, but then they became my <laughs> friends. <laughs> And we had a great time. And I was like, you know, the only girl in the group, but they treated me like just another person. And, you know, I had my own nickname and we all went to lunch and we just laughed so much. I mean, there was, you know, a lot of good times. And um, so I don't want to say that it was all bad or anything like that. It just, there were people there who weren't comfortable with me simply because I was a woman. Mm -hmm. Even to even to outsiders, uh, even to outsiders just watching the show, uh, we noticed when we were talking about the critic, we did a podcast miniseries about it. Uh, Lauren McMullen does not even go by her full name; it's uh, it's L H. So from the outside, you can see, oh, there's clearly a reason why she does not want to be identified as a woman mm -hmm. as a director on this program. Sure, I mean, look at like Essie Hinton. You yeah. know, she was the the author of The Outsiders. You know, there was a lot of women who had to hide the women authors, you know, women artists that had to hide the fact that they were a woman. It's like, I never kind of understood like, and you know, there was like, you know, the, the men who were really good, you know, at drawing and really good at what they did were sort of, I'm going to say they were worshipped like gods, but you know, kind of. Mm. And, but the women who were really exceptional at drawing did not get that same mm. uh, status, yeah, you know, and, um, and, you know, there were, quite a few women who were, you know, exceptional. Sandra Roy was a layout artist who was just phenomenal, you know, but um, it didn't it didn't work the same way for women as it did for men. Mm -hmm. And if you were a woman, you were very good at what you did. There was uh, there could be some resentment, not from everybody, but mm -hmm. from some people. Oh, well, uh, I, I'm glad there were good times with the bad there, at least. But the, I mean, Mark Gets Famous is such a great, like, just, just pure, it's a great script, but also, like, your animation uh, that the, your team, you and your team did is just amazing. Like, the, there's so many unforgettable shots, like Homer screaming to the sky that my boy's a box, <laughs> or like, just, <laughs> but everybody stepping on Krusty is another just amazing, like, animation shot in that, too. Like, there's, I, I, oh, mean, I'm sure. Sure that 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 Orlando. Let's see. No, Mark is famous. Who was? No, I, don't, I would have said Orlando drew that, but my assistant at the time was Cindy Tang. You know, it's like they were making a big deal recently about like a an all female creative cast, but I was like, you know, back then no one was saying anything about it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't like the first woman anything. No one wrote about me. You know, I I, I wasn't in any magazines. 
you know, it wasn't like a good thing back there, back mm. then. It was, it wasn't celebrated. Can I just put it that way? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, we like, unfortunately it was only, what was it like six or seven years ago? Like that I learned that the critic episode that McMullen directed that was written by Nell Scoville was like a first in us animation of the first episode credited, credited writer, a woman credited director, a woman like that had never happened before. And it certainly wasn't, you know, celebrated in press release in 1994 like it was written about uh, I think 20 years later as a landmark moment and then it was uh, set against the Olympics or yeah something? yeah it also like, got over unfortunately uh, it was up against the, the Nancy Kerrigan Tanya Harding Olympics yeah yeah no Lauren you know she was a terrific director and she you know she went to Harvard <laughs> and she was friends with I think Al Jean you know so she knew those guys from Harvard and that's why they knew about her <laughs> and I think you know and she was like the only one, but then she would, she'd direct an episode of this show or that show, but then she, I think she went back to doing commercials and stuff. Hmm. Mm. I'm not sure. And you know, it's funny. She and I have never talked about what it was like back then because I, we weren't like, she was barely around. Like, I think she had finished her show by the time I started my critic episode. I would have liked to have gotten to know her more, mm. you know, when we were doing that. But um, unfortunately I didn't, but you know, we're Facebook friends. <laughs> <laughs> that counts. Yeah. Uh, I think we should jump ahead mm -hmm. to uh, other episodes, other uh, shows, rather, that you worked on. Uh, the next one uh, I want to talk about is, or we want to talk about, rather, is Futurama. We directed uh, great episodes like Godfellas. We just covered that on our podcast. It was a great rewatch, uh, Less Than Hero. Uh, we'd love to hear about your experience on Futurama and how that differed from other shows you worked on, especially The Simpsons. Well, with Futurama, it was like being a kid in a candy store and, because they were the mixing of the 2D and the 3D plus everything was digital so it was really easy to you know make changes you know to get something just perfect and so it was yeah it was like head exploding kind of thing oh my god I can do this oh my god I can do that you mean I can just take out that blink you know it was um, <laughs> that kind of thing it was just gave me so much more creative you know my boundaries got so much bigger as far as what I could do and that was a lot of fun it was hard work and that you know god i mean all these shows were long hours but i remember uh futurama hours being you know pretty intense but at the same time everyone there was so talented and everyone wanted to do a really good job and it was really great creative experience as far as like doing stuff i hadn't done before my favorite episode of all of them was godfellas that was the one that like really spoke to all my childhood years of watching star trek and battle Star Galactica and, you know, all that stuff that my brothers made me watch. But then, you know, it turned out <laughs> I loved it, too. Uh, the the Three Stooges, maybe not as much, but um, <laughs> it was I've watched the original Star Trek series from beginning to end, like probably at least three times, wow. if not more. Wow. Um, but, you know, I mean, as an adult, I watched the whole series twice. And, you know, because what you got out of it as a kid was totally different from what you got out of it as an adult. Mm. That was interesting stuff. So so I got all the references and everything that they did in the show and and where I didn't feel like it necessarily had the same kind of heart that The Simpsons had. It's still like as a director, it was it was really fun to work on because of, you know, oh, I wonder if I can do this. It presented new challenges for me. And I felt like I had kind of exhausted everything that there was to do that I could do on The Simpsons, you know what I mean, as far as like creative challenges. Mm -hmm. So the Futurama was great in that I was able to expand more and learn more and try new things. We just did Godfellas as uh, uh, for our podcast. And yeah, it's such a gorgeous episode. Just some of the shots of Bender floating through space alone and just like without even jokes he's saying. It's just like incredible to yeah. look at. And also yeah. the, the staging of Bender having to talk to things living on his, his chest, basically. Yes. Yeah. The creative staging of all of that. Well, yeah, it, it definitely offered some really cool opportunities for, for stuff. It was, I remember getting into it a little bit with the producer, you know, because I said, no, the, the nebulas and all that stuff, they have to be 3D. You know, the stars, they have to be 3D. It can't just be like a 2D star field. And it's like, well, why? And I said, because space is a character in this show. Mm. You know, it's a character. It has to be a living, breathing character. It is not just background. 
<laughs> it costs more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, but I, I pushed for it and I got what I wanted and, um, you know, and, and thank you for noticing that. that oh, it was it, worth it. Cause yeah. it was indeed a, you know, it was a functioning character in the show. Mm-hmm. You know what? I uh, I want to go back just to one more Simpsons episode because I know it's a favorite, especially Bob's, uh, like one of his all time favorites, the Great School Confidential uh-huh. episode, the the Skinner and yes. Edna dating one like that. We love all your episodes, but that one has especially I think some of the best like character moments, you know, like Edna, just Edna and Skinner have this tenderness to them that, you know, is not it's not funny. It's just touching yeah. in so many great scenes. I mean, I, I love funny moments like the pose of them being caught making out in yes. the in the closet but i also love the dance they have in mm-hmm. in the cafeteria when they're basically uh taking over the school at night did you know that they actually have like a wall sticker of them that you can put in your closet like life size no no that's so cool <laughs> yeah i saw it on facebook wow and i um and i uh, shared it and it, people just went nuts over it it was so funny I, I have. Like, I, I want that in my closet. <laughs> I have the toy. That's a little closet. You can open the door, and it's them inside <laughs> of it. So that that oh, that really? pose that toy. How cool! It was like a little Valentine's Day toy, right, but that yeah. pose lives on forever. But it's such a beautiful show. Uh, I mean, the writing is very good. It's a very emotional show. I believe this is also written by a woman, correct? Uh, yeah, Rachel Polita. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh one of my favorites and very very sweet. Uh, it just it's just one of the best. Yeah, I I definitely have sentimental feelings about that episode too. I just feel I feel like every shot is just so you know it's just so lovely, and you know there were so many opportunities to you know how often do you really do a romance like real romance, and you know and it's like the, with these two misfits, you know, but who you all know from elementary school, and I don't know, it was just a genius, and you know the whole Charlie Brown candle, and <laughs> you know getting the kissing right with those, you know, with their overbites and it just like trying to, I don't know, but that was a labor of love for sure. You know, it is, is truly one of my favorite Simpsons episodes. I'm trying to think of all the ones like, I I really also really like Lisa's date with density. I mean, because anything that has to do with love, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, was, uh, was something that I like to do because, you know, it was, Simpsons version of love so I want to go back to Futurama because you know the Simpsons was a hit it always has been a hit and popular but when you were working on Futurama it was a show that was in trouble with the network they they didn't like it they kept burying it it seemed to be the production seemed to be over and then 18 months later the rest of the episodes aired I mean I want to know what it was like being on the inside it seems like uh, a lot of writers and artists were upset by the treatment of the show and could you imagine it would be rebooted three times at this point Uh, I mean it is coming back I I, I know you're aware of that but it's in case listeners don't know, like what was your what were your thoughts being on the inside at that time? Well, it was the first time I had been working on a show that actually got canceled. <laughs> but yeah. you know, even on The Simpsons, you know, from year to year, you always wondered. Okay. You know, yeah. especially in the beginning, because we were such an anomaly, and animation shows got canceled all the time. So it was, you know, you always wondered, like, are they done now? Are they done now? You know, kind of thing. (laughs) Even though it was The Simpsons and you look back on it now, like, of course they wouldn't have canceled it. But at the time, you always thought about it. At least I did. And then (laughs) with Futurama, I was pretty shocked, but not like, oh, my God. You know, it was just, oh, well, that's disappointing. But I was on hiatus at the time. So I just kind of was like, all right, well, you know, time to start looking for another job. Mm. And um, I ended up moving into feature for a little for a few years. Yeah, and did that for a while. It was sort of like, and then I went back to The Simpsons and was a retake director for about four or five years. And I directed like my last show, which was The Yokel Chords, which mm-hmm. I also really loved. It got me to branch out and start trying new things. And there's a lot of things I like about working in feature was just the freedom of drawing more and, uh, you know, less, maybe less constricting deadlines, you know, with, Mm. with, 
TV, it's like hard deadlines. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes those shows are so complicated. Feature, it was it was a, it was kind of looser, and and they weren't so nailed down to deadlines and stuff because there wasn't like an air date. Well, you mentioned the the uh, retake director when you were working. Then was that in the run up to the movie? Like that? Uh, every time we talked to people who was work working on the show, then sounded like it was a madhouse. Like as the movie's being worked on, as a full season production is happening too. Um, that's for the people on the movie. It was, um, I heard it was not a fun experience. I think, uh, <laughs> I think there was a lot of, a lot of booze being stored in the desk. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, the Simpsons, I, I, that's when I directed an episode cause I needed someone to direct an episode while other people were working on the movie. And it was, I just heard they had it a hard time it was you and Kirkland um, holding down the fort on the on the tv show well yeah and you know i was a little i was a little hesitant to do it because i really liked being a retake director you got your hands on all the shows or, or a lot of them and it was something that i was really good at so it was kind of easy to manage my time i didn't have to work so much overtime but the coolest thing about it was that we could i had a good relationship with richard he was the liaison and so we would we started doing couch gags and what was cool is that we could come up with our idea for a couch gag and pitch it to them and if we had an idea we could expand on it and like you know when all the sofas started attacking springfield and stuff like that that <laughs> came from my office oh. And it was, you know, me and my assistant director. In the beginning, it was Tim Bailey, and then it was Josh Tabak. And we would, we would just come up with stuff, and and we could manage both. And it was just a lot of fun. And so I was like, I don't know if I want to do a show, but I ended up doing (laughs) it, and it was also a lot of fun. And after going away and coming back, I was like so much better at it than I was before as far as like, and also because I was also the retake director, I knew I was like, okay, I can, I can just, if that doesn't work out, I can catch it later. <laughs> da, 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 da. But I was much more efficient and less of a perfectionist on that one. So, and I kind of learned where you need to put in the time and where you don't need to put in the time necessarily. Anyways, that one went much smoother. And I think I only worked one weekend. Wow. Not yeah, bad. That's the whole production. Wow. Yeah, not bad. So, um, yeah, that was actually, you know, a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. So we should probably wrap up the interview by talking about uh, one of your most recent uh, credits, Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe. Uh, we love the movie. We're covering it this month on our on our podcast network. Uh, how did you get involved uh, with this production? And did you have any experience with Mike Judge prior to working on this movie? I did not. I did not at all. And I remember when Beavis and Butthead first came out and oh, I thought it was so funny. Mm. And, um, you know, I was working on The Simpsons at the time, and I just thought it was hilarious. And, you know, I didn't care if the animation was bad or whatever. It was supposed to be bad. You know, that was part of the show. But how I got involved was, okay, during COVID, like when things kind of first shut down, what had happened is I had been working at Paramount. And then when that was done, um, I had also bought a house in San Diego that I needed to set up as an Airbnb. So I you know, spent like two or three solid months working on that. And then I kind of needed a break from that. So I took, waited a few months. And then finally I was like, okay, I'm, you know, right. Not long after the shutdown happened, I, um, I started telling my friends, yeah, I'm looking for a job. If you guys have anything, one of my friends was directing on Bless the Hearts. So it's hit now. So I worked on that for a while and just, you know, as a board artist. And then when that was done, I was unemployed for a while and it was COVID and I could not find anything and i just was like i can't believe like netflix doesn't have anything for me hmm. you know yeah. but you know people just weren't hiring in and and so it just like i couldn't find a job it was actually like 10 months and i was like what's wrong um but then someone i guess the bless the hearts did they do another season think so there's two i think so well i worked on the second season so then oh no titmouth had a pilot and and they asked me to work on the pilot i guess someone from uh bless the hearts uh valerie fletcher she she liked my work so she asked for me to work on the pilot and i was like oh yay so um i did that and then 
they offered me a spot on the movie and I was like, okay, great. So then I worked on the movie and, um, and then I was going to go on to the series, but then one of my interviews from my job search earlier, um, at Illumination came through. So I, they called me and wanted to interview me for, uh, one of their projects. And so I moved over to Illumination and that's where I've been for the past year. Oh, great. Oh, wow. But, but Beavis and Butthead was so much fun <laughs> and I loved working with the people at Tiff house they were terrific i'm not going to say which ones but i had had a string of jobs where i didn't think i was necessarily being treated very well but at this place they they made it fun to work in animation again oh that's great you know and then yeah they were wonderful it was like i was having a very sad conversation with the producer because he was like you know oh well does it does it change your mind if i tell you we were gonna offer you you know a director on the episode and i was like oh (laughs) (laughs) but it's okay because i mean i absolutely love working working i love working at illumination they're wonderful that's great extremely talented you know another very very positive experience i love working there did you have any particular difficulties adapting to the style of beavis and butthead because you know do the universe it's it it's so impressive that Beavis and Butthead still look like how they always looked, but the other characters, yeah. like they're they're different, but they fit. Like it, it stylistically, they still fit in the in the Beavis and Butthead universe. I think. Yeah. No, we were using the same old model packs. I think. <laughs> um, one of the things, because I've moved around and done so many, worked on so many different things. One of my skills is that I can adapt to pretty much any style. Since I I wasn't like. Tr- since my training was the Simpsons, which is like different from regular animation uh, anyways, you know, the hardest style I had adapting to was when I was working on those uh, Warner Brothers theatrical shorts. And um, that was the hardest thing to draw. Hmm. Um, and, and when I would like go slow-mo, like frame by frame through the old Warner, you know, like Warner Brothers, like, you know, Sylvester and Tweety and stuff, I couldn't believe what they were doing. It was so like experimental and and just wild and just kind of like god i would have liked to have worked on this stuff back then but it was it was hard to do i have to that was the biggest challenge i had was on that show but i am very good at adapting to any style because kind of have to be mm. if you can only draw the simpsons then you've got to work on the simpsons but you know i've worked on a bunch of different things and done pilots and stuff like that so i did not have a huge problem and and do you remember any specific parts of uh do the universe that you're you're really proud of you you worked on (laughs) um yeah i i really liked the sequence i did when the truck with the porta potty on it is driving. I knew it. Know, I knew you did that country. part. I knew you did that. I knew it. <laughs> that was a lot of fun, and it was. There wasn't a whole lot written, and I just did like a few different shots to kind of show how I wanted it to work. And the director was like, "Oh, that's great!" So we went with that, and then Mike Judge like loved it and so he just wanted more and more, and more. <laughs> so that's how it ended up being that long but yeah that was that was fun and the other one the other one that stands out to me is um when when he ha- is having the he, i did the fantasy with a girlfriend okay. you know when they're running through the field and oh. killing ants and, right. and then yes. riding yeah. on the yeah. on the unicorn and on the beef the, the butthead unicorn and all that that was <laughs> that was nuts but it was fun oh that's awesome it was also a sort of uh a coincidental reunion with you and uh lou morton the uh one of the writers of the movie because you did animate a few of his or sorry you did direct a few of his futurama episodes actually we'll be talking to lou in about 20 minutes yes yeah, actually oh cool you know but i didn't really get to interact with the writer or mike judge i we just watched video of the meetings later mm. oh. so i didn't get to like interact with you know plus everyone's working at home right yeah. right so i didn't get to interact with with lou at all but you know please give him my regards and tell him <laughs> i said hello but you know and working on beavis and butthead was just yeah it was a lot of fun and again i love the people at Ditmouse. they're good they're very professional and they treat their artists great well, that's great to hear that's, that's great to hear yeah man i uh sounds like you're working on something really cool now but uh, you probably can't say but uh <laughs> we we look forward to seeing it 
I can't talk about it. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I can't talk about it. But um, but I am enjoying it, put it uh, that way. That's, that's great. great. That's, that's great. great. Yeah, no, we, this has been so great talking to you, Susie, that we've, we've learned so much. We we have so many other questions we yes, could I ask think you a whole other hour. We asked about a third of our questions. Yes, <laughs> yeah, we have so much. But. Oh, is there, any, is there any one last thing you want to ask me? Ooh, and this could be a very easy answer, but we noticed that you were the director of the episode Radioactive Man, and that was the first attempt at digital coloring by the show. And we just want to know what your experiences was uh, was on that one. And then eventually you went on to an all digital show a few years later. Yeah, no, that was one of your questions that I thought was really good. I was like, wow, these guys really do their research. Um, Thank you. I loved it. I thought it looked cool. And I also, you know, I could like, oh, that red's too bright. Can we change that? Like, of course, that the color director, you know, was annoyed that, that I could change everything. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it must have made her job harder. I don't I don't know how it made it harder, but, you know, I, I, I think it did. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun for me. I liked it. I have a, a, it was one of the few kind of action shows that they gave me. One of the things I like about Illumination is they give me like all kinds of stuff, including action. One of the things about, you know, being a girl is mm. that they just want to give you all the emotional stuff because you know a lot of the male artists are kind of uncomfortable with it or they just don't know what to do but then it starts to be like that's all you can do and then they start thinking that you can't do action which is not the case so i just want to put that out there for the girls you know (laughs) do your action sequences but this was one of the few action sequences they gave me and i still remember this compliment to this day because i just thought it was like the ultimate compliment to a director is the writer turned around and looked looked at me and he said i don't know if it was the writer of the show or just one of the writers i don't remember but he after the screening he turned around and looked at me and he said that was a lot funnier than the script we sent you <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah that is well yeah no i mean that, that was a, i like that that one i remember <laughs> the yeah the action is great i mean the the acid tidal wave uh that smashes into yes, radioactive the acid tidal wave yeah. yes it that was made, awesome i loved it <laughs> that scene will live on forever uh and the line the goggles do nothing but mm-hmm. it wouldn't work without the you seeing the acid <laughs> yes melt everything reflected in his goggles like yeah. that's such an incredible shot <laughs> Well, I'm sure, you know, it was, I don't remember which board artist was that. They were all so great on that show. You know, of course, Kevin O'Brien, you know, he's like a legend. But, you know, they, they had terrific Christian Roman. Um, I Like I said, I, I worked with them all, and they're all like at Pixar now. <laughs> yeah, they had, God, they had great board artists on that show. Uh, well, so I think you can credit that to, to, to the to the board artists. Uh, well, well, thank you so much, Susie. And, and we will be keeping an eye out for your, your work in the next Illumination film. Yeah. Well, one of them we will we'll let we'll keep an eye out for your name yeah we can't wait yes okay thank you so much it was really great talking to you sorry if i like blab too much no <laughs> no no, no. Uh, that's that's why you're here we're just here to listen yeah thank you infotainment join us today during the jeep celebration event right now get 20 percent below msrp for an average of 15,178 under msrp on the purchase of a 2023 jeep grand cherokee overland 4xe or summit 4xe not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers 15,178 average based on 20 percent below average msrp from all 2023 grand cherokee overland 4xe and summit 4xe models and dealer stock residency restrictions apply take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1 jeep is a registered trademark